Hi, I'm Ryan's mom. It's great to be here. I'm looking forward to Mother's Day. And one of the ways that I pray for Ryan and his family is by singing. Right shortly after Evie, his daughter was born, the other grandma and I found this song. We sat in the living room and prayed for her. And it's our mother's prayer. Hope you enjoy. your eyes to sleep. I have a promise still to keep as I hold you in my arms. I pray your little frame grows strong and that faith takes hold while you word from Miletus Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church when they arrived he said to them you know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be be helpful to you, 
but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember, for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing, you yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by, his, by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan and Ryan's mom. We were joking that might be the longest text that we've ever had uh, read before a sermon here. Also, will you, be, will you respect a sermon by a man who's not wearing a tie? That's my biggest worry as I start this sermon, quite frankly when the lead pastor outdresses you. Well, um, welcome back to the Book of Acts. My name is Brian Kay, by the way. I'm uh, one of the pastors here at Walnut Creek Presbyterian Church. We've been in this Book of Acts for a very long series. We made this great staff decision many weeks ago that we wanted to do a long series, uh, partly because of how uh, important prayer is and partly because how wonderful Acts is as a book and just the value of uh, marinating in one theme for so long. It is kind of like a diamond, this prayer theme, because we keep turning the diamond and seeing another facet uh, have the light move toward us from um, just the prayers of the book of Acts. So we've been looking at how to pray, when you can pray, different ways to pray, what might motivate prayer, the breadth of prayers, certain narrowness of prayers. And I would say it's really a long manifesto, this whole series, on how prayer can be at the very center of our life, if you're a Christian. And I was thinking about this, and I don't know if this will come across quite right, but I wanted to implore you to consider making prayer your thing. Everyone's got kind of a thing. Mountain biking's my thing. I like Wordle. That's my thing. We have a lot of things that are okay to have as things. 
But um, I think the case of the whole Bible would be that for all of us, prayer should really be our thing. You don't have to be a great prayer. You don't have to be a long prayer. You don't have to be um, uh, deeply emotive uh, in your prayers necessarily. But the case of the book of Acts is that it's always right to pray imperfect prayers, short prayers, whether they're prayers of praise, prayers of confession, prayers of thanksgiving to God, prayers of yearning, even formless prayers of groaning when we're really in the thick of it. Um, prayer is something you can do your entire life. I sometimes have a, uh, I hope this is not a morbid thought, but I think, what am I going to do with myself when my body starts to fall apart, when my mind gets weak, and there's not much left of me, but maybe I've got another 10 years still. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I wasn't really planning on sharing this illustration, but here it is. And I've, I've sometimes consoled myself thinking, well, I could at least pray still, which is as powerful an act in the world as anything else we would do with um, strong bodies and strong minds. Praying. Make it your thing, people. And here's um, today, we're focusing on one particular type of prayer. Uh, we're calling it prayers of parting. Prayers of parting. If you noticed in this text, there was a significant and emotional parting between Paul and these Ephesian church leaders. There's, if we read a little bit even into the next chapter, there's another significant parting. Um, partings are all around us. As uh, Kermit the Frog said, trust me on this, as Kermit the Frog said when he was playing Bob Cratchit, life is made up of meetings and partings. That is the way of it. I'm sure that we shall never forget Tiny Tim uh, or this first parting that we had there among us. Um, thanks to Tommy Branoff for that Kermit the Frog quote that he sent me this week. Uh, partings are all around us. Goodbyes that we go through are all around us. Some are big and significant. Some are minor and routine. Partings come you know, very mildly when we say goodbye to our spouse, perhaps, when he or she is off to work. More significantly, when college kids are moving away, or high school kids are moving away to college. I'm speaking to my own heart here. Um, when you're changing jobs and you're saying goodbye to coworkers that you won't see again, perhaps, for a while. When you're moving, even if you're moving across town, goodbye to the people in your cul-de-sac. When you're um, moving out, having had some roommates that you're now saying goodbye to as life moves on. Graduations, there's just so many partings. And... All of these partings, we could say, are auspicious. An auspicious thing is uh, an event that has maybe in the moment kind of a smallness to the feeling of it, but it has kind of a future possibility of being great or significant. All partings are in some way auspicious because something is great that can either be gained or even lost in that parting. John Gottman, who's my favorite couples therapist and researcher who I probably overquote in sermons, I'm realizing. <laughs> he has a, uh, a very strong charge to couples when you're facing even the minor partings of in the morning saying goodbye to each other as you go into your day. He said, those goodbye moments and then the hello moment at the end of the day are um, very important and they're very actually high stakes for your relationship. And so Gottman is saying, always make sure when you're parting with a goodbye, make sure you're giving a kiss or a little hug or at least wishing them well for their day. And when you come home, don't just go right into a magazine or sit up in the back porch. Just make sure you go up to your person that you live with 
and greet them. Um, partings matter. They're auspicious. Any poignant meeting or parting between two people or a group of people is a very natural place for prayer because God is one who inhabits those auspicious moments. He can be invited into those moments, and prayer is the way to invite him in, to acknowledge God in those, in those transitional times. Well, as I said, this long passage has uh, two very emotional goodbyes, and, uh, and they're both moments that are accompanied by prayer, if you didn't notice. So I want to look at these uh, partings, especially the first one, and see what we can learn from it for how we might, how you and I might pray at these auspicious transitional parting moments. But a quick plot summary. What's going on in this long passage? Paul is here. He's sweeping through this area of um, the ancient world of what is now Turkey, and he's summoning up these elders of the church of Ephesus, it tells us. And these are people he had known for a long time because of ministry that he had done in their midst. So they were familiar to him. He would have known many of them by name. And as he gathers them and begins to speak to them, he does a lot of uh, calling to mind, asking them to remember all of the ways that they had been partners in ministry, the way that he had operated while he was among them, living among them, his character. He does, when I was reading this for the first time a couple weeks ago, I, I was struck by how defensive Paul sounds even in this text. And the reason for that is that he had reasons to be defensive. Uh, it does seem as Paul traveled around preaching and teaching, there would be like behind him this group of false teachers that would come and immediately come right into the same community and undercut him, cause people to doubt his motives, um, to change his gospel message a little bit or a lot of it. And so Paul, in gathering these Ephesians, he knows this is the last time he's going to see them, and he's sort of making the case, remember that I did actually love you. I loved you. And this was my gospel, and that was not my gospel. This was the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Um, so that explains the urgency in this. But Paul is really pleading with them to remember him, remember what they shared together, and then he says goodbye. And then they pray. Now, it would be, you know, I wish that we could have gotten the text of this prayer. We don't get the text of it at all. So what I'm doing for the rest of our time together is I'm assuming that everything that he had said to them so emotionally and so urgently right up into the moment that they knelt down, and they did actually do that the second part, and they kneel down on the beach and pray their goodbyes. Um, I'm assuming that everything he said up into that prayer is sort of baked into the prayer. So that's my assumption here, which you can challenge later if you'd like. But I think what he was saying was, was the transition into the prayer. So there are four things about parting prayers I want to pull out from this, and Consider the ways that you might build these into your own partings. Number one is this. When we're parting, we can ask God to bless the work or the calling of those that we're saying goodbye to. So Paul did that with these Ephesians. He, he um, would have prayed that they would remember their calling to be pastors and elders of the church. It says in verse 28, keep watch over yourselves and over the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, be shepherds of the church of God that he bought with his own blood. And so in prayer, sometimes we are asking God to bless a person in the acting out of the duties they have before God or others to live in a certain way. If you're saying goodbye to your spouse going off to work, 
They might not be overseers of a Christian congregation, but they might be overseers of, a, um, of an office. And so, you know, a prayer of parting when it comes to praying for someone's calling would be, Lord, help my husband, wife, friend, roommate to do good and noble work today in their office among their co-workers. May they love the people well that they are called to serve in their work. Give them joy in their work. Amen and goodbye. That's a prayer of parting. Uh, secondly is this. Pray that the scriptures would motivate and be drawn upon by the person that we're saying goodbye to. That's kind of a mouthful. Uh, Paul says in verse 32 that he uh, prays that, they, the, that the word of God's grace would build you up. There's a connection between parting, a prayer for parting uh, that the Bible would become real to someone. This is a way to pray a parting. Uh, verses 32 says, May the word of God's grace, which means the scripture, or the, or the preached word as Paul had preached, or Peter, or whomever, uh, may that become real, may it build you up, and may it have its effect on your heart. And then in verse 35, he says, may you remember the words of the Lord Jesus himself who said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so in this parting, Paul is saying, uh, may you please remember the scriptures. May you remember the commands and the promises of God that, that would matter to you as we, as we go. Praying the scripture in. Uh, Jesus had a kind of a, a parting-like statement like this to the apostles in uh, the book of John. And he's He's really getting ready to say goodbye to them, and he's giving them some encouragement and hope and saying, I must leave to do the thing that I've been called to do, but uh, don't worry, I'm sending the Holy Spirit who will come to you. And one of the things that Jesus says about the Holy Spirit, after Jesus parts, the Holy Spirit comes, and Jesus said, he will take of what is mine and make it known to you. And that was Jesus saying, the Holy Spirit will remind you of my words. I've spoken to you all these words for these three different years, but when the Holy Spirit comes, he will take my words and the, the penny will drop. You'll understand them at a deeper level. They will motivate, um, inform you, build you up. So when we say prayers of parting, we can always ask that a person would remember what they need to remember from God's truth. And that could look like this. It could be saying, um, Lord, as, as uh, Willa heads off to school for her 12th grade year here in, in May, may she remember that she is a daughter of you, that she is a child of the king. May she remember that our identity comes from who you have made her to be and what you have done for her instead of any other identity that might be advertised. Bless her and keep her. Amen and goodbye. Um, it's honing in on a little scriptural truth and praying that that would come to mind. That's a way to pray for a parting. Third one is this, pray your tears and grief. This is just obvious, like it's right on the surface of, the, of the, uh, surface of this text. These two partings, they're very emotional if you get into these certain phrases of it. It's tearful meetings on the beach, it's kneeling, it's, it's Paul saying, um, I will never see you again in this life. And then they, they, they weep because he says that. It actually says, and they were, what they were most moved by was when Paul said that they would never see him again. And you imagine, therefore, that this was a prayer of parting that had tears involved. It had some emotional depth. The Psalms, of course, is the great compendium of emotional praying. You can imagine King David was, was tearful through half of the Psalms that he wrote. 
just pay attention to that. You might not be an overly emotional person or even very emotional, um, but keep in mind when you feel the sadness of a goodbye, naming the sadness in the prayer is a great prayer of parting. Lord, we're so sad to see so-and-so leave our midst today, leave our company, leave our church. Um, we're, um, we're nearly tearful. Um, comfort us in our sadness as we say goodbye. Amen. That's a prayer of parting. Um, get real about the emotions. Don't paper over it. Own it. You know, a little addendum on this. It's occurred to me that in the last seven days in this very room, we've had two memorial services here at the church in, I think, seven days. And uh, one was for an 18-year-old boy, and one was for, I believe, Bernice Condit would have been 108 yesterday. So when she died, I think she was 107. Maybe someone can correct me. Um, Both of those services would have been tearful, but in different ways. It's different kinds of sadness. And so pay attention to the whole range of sadness that you have and pray it. And then lastly this, pray towards the end of all partings. A parting prayer is praying to the end of all partings. What does that possibly mean? When you say goodbye to someone, you never know if you'll ever see them again. You don't actually. Even when you say goodbye to someone going to work, you don't know. Anything could happen in the next eight hours. And so subconsciously, we're all aware that our any parting might be a last parting. Paul knew this. Paul knew that it would be a last parting. All significant partings are, in a way, rehearsals for death. Sometimes uh, at partings, therefore, we toss in a little bit of hope for a reunion. We kind of bake it into our goodbye. Even if it's not a prayer, it'll be like, all right, Bye now. See you later. See you later, right? I'm seeing you later. Uh, until next time. Hey, until next time. See ya. Don't be a stranger. I started to catalog these. There's like a million of them. Catch you on the flip side. What does that even mean? No one knows. Uh, but it's, it, they wa- I want to catch you again, at least. We're trying to assure ourselves that this is not the final goodbye. We have a yearning for a future reunion. We have a yearning for a goodbye, a goodbye to all the goodbyes. Yearning for a deep reversal of all goodbyes is very normal. It's, it's part of human nature to want this. Even our pop culture recognizes it in different ways. There's um, <laughs> two, two TV shows. You might have seen neither of them. Do you remember in Lost, that old NBC show? There's that interesting Scottish character. I never know what happens to him. I got bored after three, three seasons, quite frankly. But he shows up, and like, this random character who just shows up and says, See you another life, brother. See you in another life. What does he mean? He, he, he seems to be informed about some kind of future reunion. There is also um, Twin Peaks, don't judge me, that show. Uh, special agent Dale Cooper at one uh, very uh, auspicious moment is about to head into the supernatural portal and confront the evil and the darkness of the Black Lodge. And he says goodbye to his... Uh, fellow FBI j- agent by saying, how does he put this? See at the curtain call. Which means I'm probably going to die in here in, in doing battle with evil, but I'll see you at the curtain call when we all, all the players come back out on stage. It's almost a cosmic, supernatural hope for a great reunion. Christianity, though, is 
quite direct and even literal about the fact that there will be a day when all goodbyes end and a great reunion does take place. And when we pray at partings, we can make a little bid toward the great reunion that we know is coming, even if this is a last goodbye. My favorite place in uh, all of literature for a, a picture of the Christian great reunion is from the Brothers Karamazov, Dostoevsky, the great Russian novelist. And I'll just close with this. This is a picture of this great character, Alyosha, in this novel, who is one of the um, believing characters. He has a flock of these young boys who have sort of, he's, they're, they're his, he's their hero, but he's got to say goodbye to these young boys, and they're all around him. It's a very, it's a very um, well, it's a very auspicious moment. And he says to them, to the boys, boys, I would like to say something to you here at this place. And so the boys crowded around him at once bent their eager, expectant glances upon him. Boys, Alyosha said, we shall soon part, but soon I shall leave this town, perhaps for a long time. We may not see each other again. Let us, therefore, agree here at Alyosha's headstone, never to forget, first, Alyosha himself, but secondly, never forget one another. And whatever may befall us in this life afterwards, even if we do not meet again for 20 years, we shall always remember. We will remember, we will remember, the boys cried again. Oh, my dear children, my dear friends, Alyosha said, do not be afraid of life, how good life is when you do something that is good and just. Yes, yes, the boys repeated enthusiastically. Karamazov, cried Kolya, is it really true that as our religion tells us, we shall all rise from the dead and all come to life and see one another again and everyone and even Alyosha who has died? Certainly, said Alyosha, we shall rise again. Certainly we shall see one another again and shall tell one another gladly and joyfully all that has been. Alyosha replied to them, half laughing, half rapturously. Um, you can imagine a prayer that could have been spoken after that goodbye. Christian goodbyes, even mundane ones, can include a little view toward the great reunion. When we say goodbye, even our bigger goodbyes especially. Lord, we're sad to see this person go. May we all look forward to the day when around Jesus Christ, the returning king, we will meet again. Uh, let's pray ourselves. Lord Jesus Christ, you've taught us so many ways to pray through these scriptures. Would you please teach us to be people who pray well at partings? Help us to pray in all these different ways, but may we all have hearts of great expectant hope that one day there will be an end to all goodbyes. We long for the day when you, when the curtain call comes at your own calling, when we all meet again around you and are together forever and ever. In the name of Christ, amen. Amen.